saw Elijah, he received a call from God after a long time. And uh, we thought, he thought possibly God was done with him, but God had some new news for him to deliver to Ahab, and, and Ahab responded and was spared. And we saw the grace of God in that situation, because that's not how God initially uh, had things planned for Ahab, but God showed grace in the situation. But we remember what God said, he was going to remove the punishment from Ahab, but he was going to save it for Ahab's descendants. And if we read 2 Kings chapter 1, we'll find Ahab's son, Ahaziah, who was the new king. He was following the footsteps of his mother and the many decisions his fathers made. He worshipped false gods. And we find him falling through the lattice there and injuring himself and being bedridden. And uh, he sent for help from his prophets to go find out if the prophets of Baal would be able to help him in any way. And, and, and God had Elijah intercept those messengers as they went. He said, the reason you're going is not because Israel doesn't have a God. And he had this message to be delivered. There's a punishment to be handed out. And we see Ahaziah punished uh, for that decision. And God's commandments happening as they should. And as we look at that text and then remember what happened last week, we need to make sure that we are listening when God speaks. We're acknowledging him. If there's any sin in our life, we're keeping short accounts with God's. And then also what we find from Ahab to his son Ahaziah is your decisions do not just affect you, do they? Our decisions affect many people around us. And we need to be aware not only for our relationship with the Lord, but also uh, in how we deal with others. Keep short accounts with God. Uh, choose right. Decide to serve him because your, your life doesn't just affect you. There's many people that can be impacted by the decisions that you make. And so let's go ahead and look here. Second Kings chapter 2. We're going to begin reading here in verse 1 as we are going to see Elijah ascend into heaven. And then next week will be our final message in the life of Elijah. But beginning here in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass, when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yeah, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yeah, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee, here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee, before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee, but if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. 
And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he, took, and he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. We're going to look at the first part of this text this week, really dealing with just specifically here, Elijah leading up to that very last moment. And as we look at this, the the thought I want us to get across tonight is patience to the end, or service uh, to the end. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege that it is to be here together tonight. And God, I pray that you would help us as we're in your word, that you would, Lord, first of all, help us to set aside any distractions. Lord, as you say in the book of James, that filthiness, that superfluity of naughtiness, so we can receive your engrafted word, which is able to save souls. Lord, help us, God, to be ready to receive tonight. And Lord, I pray that as we're ready to receive, Lord, that we would also be ready to not just hear it, but be doers of the word. Lord, bless us, be with me as I preach, and I assist in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Here in First and Second Kings, in the life of Elijah, we have seen quite the story, haven't we? We started off with this simple mountain man and saw all that God did through him. We've seen a lot of action. We've seen a, a lot of turbulent times in the life of this prophet. We saw him come out from, from, the, from nowhere up in the mountains and uh, to come and confront the king of Israel with that great message that God had for him to deliver. We saw him at the brook Cherith. We saw him with the widow of Zarephath. And God provided food daily and, and oil daily. And was, he was then raised her son from the dead. We then see Elijah in his great victory on Mount Carmel. We see this moment of darkness following that immediately in his life as he thought that God was finished with him and, and he was doing, he was accomplishing nothing. He was all alone. He wanted his life to be over. And as we look at the story of Elijah, we've seen the power of God. We've seen the provision of God. We've seen the judgment of God and we've seen the grace of God. And now we're at the end of the life of Elijah. And as we study these final days, I've been encouraged as I was reading this, this, this text this week how he finished his life. As we, as we look at Elijah here in chapter 2, he looked pretty busy, didn't he? He didn't live like a man who didn't have much time left. He actually acts as if he has plenty of time and was just continuing on helping the people he needed to help. And this example that is set here should be one to encourage any Christian in any stage of life, but specifically as we continue to grow older and as, as one day we will be near the end, that we should continue on no matter how tired we may get in this world, no matter how much we may have accomplished or, or, or as many things may not have turned out as we hope they would, there will be moments in life, uh, if, uh, in, our, in our life to continue to serve him, and moments if he tarries is coming that we will grow weary and, and we will just simply want to be waiting for heaven. But as long as we're here, we have a job to do. As long as you are living and breathing in this world, you have a duty to do what God's will is for your life. And so as, as we look at this tonight, what should we be doing while we wait? You know, Elijah shows us in this passage, how should we live to the finish? There's, there's three things we're going to see tonight. The first one, the first thing we should do is watch. Watch. It says there, and it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. This event is mentioned in that very first verse that Elijah was going to be taken to heaven 
by a whirlwind. You know, and I believe it was a promised event for Elijah. I believe Elijah knew the truth that he was going eventually to go to heaven without having to physically die. And what an awesome thing that would have been for him. And there's only one other person to ever to get to enjoy the privilege to, the, to this point in history and in the word of God. And we would find Enoch. We, about a month ago we were there and we looked at, at Genesis chapter 5 and we saw the life of Enoch. He walked with God and he ascended straight to heaven at one point in his life. He was a man who lived for it and walked with God, and when his time was over, God took him straight to heaven. Enoch did not die, and Elijah was waiting for that very same thing to happen to him. But as we look at our life tonight, and we understand Scripture, and we understand the promises of God, this is something that could happen to me and something that could happen to you. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The Bible teaches us that there is a future event, has not happened yet, that is one day going to happen, and it's what we know as the rapture. Jesus is going to return in the clouds, and he's going to call all Christians home to heaven. And we look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's, that is us, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That could happen tonight. It could happen at any point in, in, in history from this moment forward. And so we need to be looking for that and watching for that. Just as Elijah was watching for that opportunity with the whirlwind, we too can watch for that in our life. It could happen at any moment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall all, and we shall be changed. There is a chance that in your lifetime you're going to go to heaven without ever having to die. What a neat thing that would be. That, excite, that should excite the Christian. And you can pray the same prayer that John prayed on Patmos, even so come Lord Jesus. Elijah was anticipating that. And if you're saved, you should be okay if that event happens in your life. I understand some are at different stages in life and you want to live a little longer. God has you here. You want to see things, do things. One day he's going to come and I promise you, uh, as much as you may hope, be hoping it, it's waiting a little bit, if it happens, you'll be happy. I promise you that. But whether you are raptured or not, whether the rapture happens in our lifetime or not, there's a promise destination for every Christian, for every individual that's ever called upon Jesus Christ, and that is eternity in heaven with him. And Jesus said in the book of John chapter 5, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. That is for you. In John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus was looking to his disciples and he said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. He's preparing a place. If you're saved, you have a promise of heaven. It was a promised event for Elijah. Second thing, it was not only promised, but because it was promised, it was an expected event. 
As, as we read this text, we come to an understanding that everybody knew what was going to happen, not just Elijah. The sons of the prophets three different times looked to Elisha and said, do you know this is going to happen? And Elisha said, yeah, I know it. <laughs> I love that. Do you know? He's like, I'm the closest one to him. Why would you think I wouldn't know that? He says, yeah, I know it. Hold your peace. It's, it's not time yet, but I, I understand one day it's going to happen. It was expected. Elijah knew about it. Elisha knew about it. The, the sons of the prophets, they knew about it. It was something that people heard was going to happen, and they were preparing themselves for. And Elijah, no doubt, was living every day with that thought in mind. And just as he expected God to keep his promise, just as he was anticipating one day being in heaven with him, that's something that every one of us should expect as well. We look in the Bible, Jesus spoke about it. I shared a couple verses with you just a moment ago of what Jesus said about our home in heaven. The New Testament writers wrote of it. Paul, John, and Peter, they wrote of it. It's well documented throughout the Bible that those who are saved will spend eternity in heaven. And so when it happens, whether it's the rapture or whether it's you die and go to heaven, don't be surprised if the rapture happens in your, in your lifetime. Don't, don't live as it's never going to happen. Because there's no excuse for not being ready for the return of Jesus. So tonight, as you, as you look at your life, we know the promise of God. We know that one day the rapture is going to happen. We know that if we're saved, we're going to spend eternity in heaven with him, and there's a chance that he could come in our lifetime and call us up to heaven with him. And if you're saved and your life isn't where you want it to be, then do something about it today. And then tomorrow, do something about it tomorrow. Decide every day to live with that thought in mind. And if you're lost, if there's somebody in here that doesn't know for sure you're going to heaven, and you don't want to be left here, do something about it today. The, the, the door for every individual to be saved is wide open. It's not something we have to wait for or think or wait till we're ready for or all the circumstances are right in our life. It's something that we can do tonight, so don't wait. Another parallel for us as we look here, even though all these people knew it was coming, no one knew when it was coming. Elijah knew that God was coming for him, but he didn't know when God was going to come for him. So he lived his last days and hours in anticipation of an event that he didn't know when it was going to happen. So for all of us in here tonight, the Bible is clear when it tells us when it will happen. The, we look in the Bible, we have prophecy of certain things that are going to take place before, and, and we can look at the Word of God, and I believe that the table is set. It could happen today. It could happen 100 years from now. We don't know when it's going to happen. But we know that the Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 24, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Not even the angels know when the rapture is going to happen. So we don't need to live thinking that we know what it is or uh, none of us are certain of it, so we need to live in light that it could happen today, that it could happen tomorrow. We need to be certain that we are ready for the coming of Jesus. And if you aren't ready, get ready. We look here, therefore, be ye also ready for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. We have no idea when it is, so we just need to watch Trust in the promises, expect it to happen, and live like it's going to happen today. Amen? We look here, watch. Second thing tonight. The second thing that he did was pursue. Pursue. So he knew, he expected it to happen. He knew the promise of God that was revealed to him. And then he just lived his life as he needed to live it. He pursued a few things here. The first thing he pursued was purpose. And we look here in verses 1 through 6. Elijah anticipated 
that he was going to be departing from this world. But as he anticipated that, you know what he did? He continued to live as he always had. He continued to walk in obedience before God. He did what God wanted him to do. And he continued to, to have a purpose in the life that he was living. Look, look at verse, verse 2. Elijah said unto Elisha, he says, the Lord hath sent me. We look in verse 4. The Lord hath sent me. Verse 6. The Lord hath sent me. He had instruction from God. He was doing it. Even though he knew God promised him he was going to ascend to heaven one day, he was going to do God's will. He was going to follow the instruction of God. He knew the truth that so many people learn there is no higher calling than that of following God and doing what he says. And as we live our life, Many in here with certain careers and different jobs you may have, you are longing for the day that you, can, that you don't have to work anymore, that retirement life. And how great that sounds, right? But there's no retirement from the Christian life. There's no retirement from obeying God and living according to his word. We know we're not going to be here forever. We know that one day he's going to come back, but we should still seek to live our lives, surrender to the will of God for our life. There's been groups of Christians that have become convinced over the years, you can think of some in your lifetime, that Jesus is going to return on a specific date. There have been books written about it, there have been movies made, there have been certain, th certain things put out there to try to encourage people to come to Jesus because he's coming on this specific instance and we get to that point and he did not come because no man knows the day or the hour. And if God says that in his word, nobody knows. But as a result, many of those people, they will sell all their possessions, they'll quit their jobs, they'll run up credit, whatever, whatever they need to do, they'll go up to the top of the mountain, sat, sit down and, and wait for the rapture. But I'm going to tell you tonight, that is not what God intends for any Christian to ever do. That's not how he intends any Christian to live. We know not the day or the hour. And what we need to be doing in our Christian life is being busy in the work of God and loving others and being a light in a wicked world that we live in until the day he calls us home. There's, there's many different groups of people that have struggled with that thought. We, we can look at the book of, of Thessalonians and we understand they had great questions on the rapture. They thought it was going to happen at any moment because he said he'll be back soon. And they're sitting there waiting and there's a group of, of people in that church that thought, I'm already saved, I'm going to heaven. What's the use of me doing anything? We look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11. Paul wrote, for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. If you're not doing right, start doing right. Live in light of, of pleasing God with your life today, tomorrow, because you don't know when it's going to happen. Those people were looking for Jesus to return at any moment, so they just stopped doing anything. But that's not God's plan. Another biblical example we have is the book of Nehemiah, and I'm, I'm hoping... Before too long for us to have uh, a theme here focusing around Nehemiah and that story there. But in Nehemiah chapter 4, we find them building the wall, but they had an enemy. So they built that wall, and many of the men that were, that were out there building, they had a sword in one hand and a tool in the other. They were building the wall where they were ready at any moment to fight. And as we live our Christian life, we, we can expect the rapture and, and understand he's promised that's going to happen and live in light of it. But we still have to live our life, and if God has us here, there is people to be reached, there is his will to be done, there are people to be influenced. So we need to watch and expect his return while at the same time living today on earth. There's never going to be a day when we should quit serving God, so pursue, pursue that purpose every day. Second thing, pursue growth, pursue growth. 
We read of many different places that Elijah traveled during his last days, didn't we? He went from place to place. God was bringing him to a certain place that he intended uh, him to be. And eventually he took him to the place where he did ascend to heaven with God. And for Elijah, he visited these certain certain places we're going to look at here in just a moment. As he went to go visit the school of the prophets and he spoke to these young men who were training to serve God. He encouraged them. He reminisced about all that God had done for him. But as, as we look at these cities and we look at what, what these cities meant to the children of Israel, there might be some significance to the places that Elijah visited here in chapter 2. We can look at Gilgal. It's mentioned there in verse 1. Gilgal was the first place, if we were to look in the, in the story, that Israel camped when they crossed the Jordan and they entered the promised land. It was a place of new beginnings. In Gilgal, they were near the battles, but not quite fighting them yet. They needed to understand God was going to protect and provide for them. And there was a place of safety and preparation and guidance and communion with God there in Gilgal. They renewed their covenants. They grew strong, stronger in the Lord. And as Elijah was there at Gilgal, it's a representation of, of him in, in remembering how it all began for him. Those days of, of waiting and those days of, of, of waiting on God and letting him provide and, and, and trusting him more and more as the day goes on there in Gilgal. Second thing, Bethel. We look at Bethel there in verse 2 and 3. For the children of Israel, Bethel was a holy place. It was at Bethel that the patriarch Jacob had met with God in Genesis chapter 28. And Bethel, Bethel signified the place of the altar and total dependence on God and for Elijah that Bethel in his life was a place to reflect on all the experiences of his learning dependence on God. Jericho is the next place. For the children of Israel Jericho represented the power of God and and great victory in the the, the day of battle and it was a place of victory and power and for Elijah Jericho then the thought of Jericho was a place for him to remember all the great victories that God had provided for him. The boy raised from the dead, the victory on Carmel, the, 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 the victories over the battle in his flesh that he had in the very dark day, days of his life. And he remembered a life of victory. And then the last place he visited was Jordan. You know, for Israel, as we look in verse, in verse 6 through 8, as he was there in Jordan, Israel, the River Jordan marked the end of their wilderness wanderings. They, it, was a, it was a picture of a great change that took place in their life where they were no longer pilgrims, but they were citizens. And when they crossed Jordan, they were people who arrived home. For Elijah, it was a a great picture of of how God brought him from where he was to something completely different and how he grew it and had to die to self to trust in God and to trust in his power and had to die to self there as he was in that great state of depression. The change that, that came again in his life. Elijah's travels show us of something of a progression in his life, but also a progression in our lives. All of us had that Gilgal experience, that new beginning in Jesus. You might be able to think tonight of the day that you were saved, the, the moment you gave your life to Christ, and early in those days you, you had a desire to grow in him and to know him more and, and think of all that God did in that, in that time in your beginning of your communion with him. Then you had that Bethel experience where you learned to walk with him. You learn to depend on him. Those first trials come to the Christian. And, and sometimes people, newly saved people, they go through these great trials. They don't know what to do. They think as soon as I'm saved, everything's going to be perfect and great and nothing bad is ever going to happen. Maybe that's not the case, is it? We have to learn to depend on God. We have to learn to trust God. We have to, learn, we have to grow our faith in him. The Lord will give us those victories over the battles of life. But eventually we will face those, that Jordan experience. We'll come to the end of our journey just as Elijah was coming 
to the end of his. And Jordan isn't a bad place. It's that place where we're, we're continuing on for God, but headed home, leading to that final place, heaven. Your life was intended, and God, God intends in your life for you to grow. If you're saved and baptized, God's not finished with you. Your walk with God is not finished just, just after you're saved or after you, after you obey him and believers' baptism. God wants you to grow in him. God wants you to be more like him, to be transformed as we find in the book of Romans chapter 12. The greatest gift that you can give God is being fully surrendered and dedicated to the will of God. So we need to pursue that. And the, last, the last thing here in, the, in this, this section of this text is pursue influence. We look here. As Elijah was living his last days and traveling his last miles, he did not attempt to travel them alone. You remember several chapters back as we saw Elijah there in those dark days of his life, what did he want? He left his servant where he was, he went off by himself, but we find Elijah now not alone. And as we read verses 2, 4, and 6, we might be led to believe that Elijah wanted Elisha to stay behind. And as I read this text and we look at all that was happening here. I don't, I don't believe that's what he wanted at all. I believe it was a, a test for Elisha that he needed to be with God's man. And so we see this friendship, we see this fellowship, and as Elijah was completing his task on earth, he didn't withdraw himself from people. He was actually going to help more people. He would go to the school of the prophets in each of these, these towns. He walked in fellowship with other believers. He tried to encourage them, tried to help them. He knew he needed others in his life, and he also knew that they needed him. You know, too many Christians live their life trying to live on their own and as if they don't need any other Christians in their life or any other influence, any other help. But the truth of the matter is we need each other. You need good godly fellowship. You need good godly relationships in your life. You don't need to just try to, to go through the motions or go through your life at home on your home or at, on, at home on your own or do, do home church or TV church or just think reading your Bible is enough for you. We need to be assembled together to encourage one another to hear the preaching of the word of God as God designed it. The book of Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us provoke one another to love and to good works. That's one of the purposes of the church. And on your bad day, you need the church. On your bad days, people need you. So we need to continue on for, for, for the Lord and not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but continue. Whether we admit it or not, we need one another. So we need to examine our relationship to other Christians today. So we see Elijah watching, waiting for that moment. We see him then pursuing God's will for his life and obeying God and pursuing relationships. And then we find him, after that last journey, we, the third thing, remain so watch pursue last thing remain we already covered this a bit but Elijah did not spend his last days and even after this last journey Elijah did not spend those those days just doing nothing and and going to the side he was continuing to do God's will for his life he was busy and in doing that he set a great example and he continued the first thing he remained in a place of trust to God. Verse 8. Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters and they were divided hither and thither so that they too went over on dry ground. It's quite the miracle that happened. Even at the end of his life, Elijah is still walking by faith. I love, they get to the Jordan River, he, he visited Jordan, that last place, and 
And then we see him there, water in front of him. He needs to get to the other side. And instead of trying to find another way or just stopping there, he took off his mantle, he hit the water, and it parted. What an awesome thing that would have been to see that. You know, Elijah did not reach a place in his life, even as he's at the the last days here. He didn't reach a place in his life where he said, well, you know what? I've seen God do for me all he's going to do for me. Lord, he's done it before. I don't know if he's going to do it again. We don't see him doing that. We see him exercising great faith to the very end. He kept walking by faith. He kept depending on God till the very end of the road. And I want to tell you, no matter how long you may have been walking with God in your life, how long you've been saved or how many experiences you've had in life, no matter what you've seen him do, no matter what he's done in your life, there will never come a day where you should stop trusting him. There's never going to come a day where, where you've trusted him too much or, or, or just need to take a break from that. We should trust him each and every day of our life and, and remain in that state of faith. Just because the years have brought you closer to the end, you should not, trusting, should not stop trusting God to work through you. You should not trusting God to work for you. Just because he might come at any moment, it doesn't mean we should stop trusting him today. So until we walk with him in heaven, we need to trust him. We need to have faith. There's, there's two things that we understand about this tonight. First thing, nothing less than faith will please him, right? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, without faith it is impossible to please him. So if you don't have that in your life, if you're not trusting him, you're not pleasing God. And I don't know about you, but I want to end my life pleasing him. Not ending my life having him disappointed in, in, in me and my decisions. And then also anything less than faith is not just not pleasing God. Anything less than faith in your life is sin. The Bible says whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So remain in a state of trust to God. Second thing, remain impacting others. You know, as Elijah and Elisha walked together, Elijah spent these last moments with Elisha teaching him about obedience and faithfulness. And we look there in verses 2, 4, and 6, we see him testing him. He goes, you can stay here. And he goes, no, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to go with you. We see Elijah understanding that these days were very important. And before he was to leave this world, that he, he needed to hand down his ministry to, the same, to, to keeping the same things and trusting in God because this next generation needed another Elijah. You know, I want to encourage you as a church, there's another generation coming behind you. No matter what age you are tonight, there's another generation behind you. And there's another generation behind you that needs influenced just as you've been influenced in your life. And, and as we examine our own life, as we examine our works, as we examine our actions, as we examine our life at home with our children, our, our family, our, our grandchildren, our, our grown sons and daughters, our, our friends, our relatives, other church members, what are you doing in your life? How are you teaching them about faith in God? What are you doing to teach others about obedience to the will of God, even when it's difficult? What are you doing right now to, to encourage others or to set the example of being faithful to the house of God and to the service of God? What are you doing to teach them to be faithful to uh, love for the Bible and, and walking with God each and every day? What kind of legacy are you leaving behind as we continue on the journey? Now, many of us are here tonight because some people were faithful to hand down their faith to us. Amen? Many of us are here tonight because there was someone in your life that impacted you in a way where you sought God. Or impacted you in a way where you decided, hey, I want to trust him too. 
You know, men and men in the church, it's our job to set the example to be the to men of the homes and, and to, to lead as God would have us to lead, to teach our young men and boys how men should live and how we conduct ourselves and how to love our wives, treat our children, provide for families, how to live for God in a wicked world. We have an example to set. In the book of Titus chapter 2 verse 2, he wrote that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity and patience. It was important that they continue to set a godly example for those generations behind them. Ladies, there's a command for you in the Bible. It's your responsibility to live faithful to God and to obey God and to set the example in whatever stage of life God has you in, whether it's uh, being, being a good employee, being a good daughter, being a good wife, a good mother, setting the example. It says the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to, to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. The, the, the word of God was, was saying that women need to live in a way where they can teach the young women under them how to act, how to treat others, how to live for God. We need to remain in those things. The third thing, Elijah remained in, in setting the example. He remained in, in trusting God. And the last thing, he remained going God's way. or He remained in the will of God. Look at verse 11. He did all these things. He threw his mantle down in the Jordan, and he didn't know if it was time yet, but it says, and it came to pass as they still went on and talked. He was still helping Elisha. I love that. He visited all those places. He parted the Jordan, just like any other great miracle that happened in his life, and now he's still going on, going the direction God had him to go. He found no stopping place. He found no time to rest. Even though the end was near, he still went on. And in fact, as we read here in, the, in, the, in verse 11, it was the way that he was still going, the way that he went on, where God met him with that chariot, where God let him ascend to heaven at that moment. He was in obedience to the will of God, going the direction God wanted him to go, and there was God waiting on, on him on that journey. Can you imagine what it would have been like to see that? That's a lesson for us that God, again, he might come for you today. God could rapture us up at any moment. Or this could be the day that that some of us leave this world in death. Because we know not the day or the hour. We don't know what's going to happen in our life. Whether we get raptured up or whether we die in a week, that doesn't matter, does it? What matters is that Every day God's given us to live in this earth, we are serving him. We are growing in him. We are living as light. May we never get to a place in our life where we, where we, get, we get to this point and we just say, you know what? I've done enough. Someone else can take over from here. Let's not do that. Let us be determined tonight and decide in our life that we are going to still go on just like Elijah did. Until he calls us to heaven. We need to watch. We need to pursue. We need to remain. And decide to live that way. Until God calls us home. Every head bowed. Every eye closed.